Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. The question this time is, what does effective compliance and ethics training for your board of directors look like? This is one that I've received this question many times over the years. And we actually did a whole webinar on this earlier in the year, I think in April. If you want to go to our website, you can follow the instructions on how to download that that prior webinar if you want to listen to it. I believe it's about an hour and a half long. This is not going to be an hour and a half long, but I'm going to try to hit some of the high spots in this and a subsequent part two of answering that question. So I'm going to take two episodes of Compliance Beat to talk about director training. Before I dive in, a few program notes. First and foremost, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for responding online. Thanks for getting in touch with us. We appreciate all the feedback. If you've got questions, comments, suggestions for the future, if you have suggestions, we're going to, we've been going through the summer without doing too many interviews because of timing issues, but we're going to be starting to interview folks again. For those of you who like the three question segments and the other interviews, those are going to be coming soon here in the fall. If you've got some suggested people to interview, anything, please let us know. We're always looking for comments and any kind of suggestions from our listeners. Secondly, we are going to have a new webinar that's going to be coming up on October the 4th, which is a Wednesday. The title of that webinar is The New Guidance and Best Practices for Code of Conduct Development. So for those of you who are like many people this time of year, starting to think about updating your code of conduct, revising your code of conduct, that would be maybe a good one to tune into on October the 4th. Pay attention to our website. We'll start to put up links uh, so that you can sign up for that webinar here soon. And lastly, I want to thank everyone out there who's contacted me personally over the last couple of days. I'm recording this right in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. We are actually located in Austin, which fared uh, with hardly any rain at all, but we have family in the Houston area, and we certainly appreciate everybody who's reached out, not only to to us, but those of you out there who have reached out and donated or otherwise helped out with the effort for recovery in Houston. We certainly have all of those people in our thoughts. So with the announcements out of the way, let's dive into effective compliance and ethics trainings training for your board of directors. Like I said, I'm going to break this up into two parts because it's a. I think there's a lot to kind of dive into. And there are really four broad areas that I think make up the components of an effective training program for the board of directors. I used to say it was a three-legged stool, but I've, I've since expanded my thinking over the last year or two to really break it down into four broad categories. We're going to cover two of those today in part one and the remaining two in part two next week. So the the first topic, the first wide-ranging topic that you need to educate your board of directors on is training your board on their actual duties, their legal duties for oversight of the compliance program. Salient questions here are, what are their responsibilities and what are the consequences of not training them or, or, or them not being aware of, of those responsibilities? First of all, going back a long way, there's case law that's developed over the years, both corporate case law but, but also criminal case law, that leads us to believe that the board of directors have a significant duty when it comes to compliance and ethics. It also requires 
the organization to train their board of directors so they can properly discharge their duties, not only compliance oversight, but all of their duties. Board training is a requirement for an effective compliance and ethics program under the sentencing guidelines, as, as well as other legal standards. And like anything else, a board of directors has to understand what their obligations are in the first place in order to make sure that they're meeting those obligations. I have to say that I think this is a much easier sell for most companies, most staffs when they're going to boards of directors these days than it may have been maybe 10, 10 years ago. The, the liability that these individuals on boards of directors face now has kind of opened their eyes, not only to the risk around compliance, but, but, but risks generally. So I think getting them on board, if you will, to have a little bit of time set aside for them to be educated, to be trained on their roles and responsibilities, as well as other aspects of the compliance program is, is not as hard as it used to be. I think there's still some reticence out there by some staff members and compliance officers and general counsel and secretaries and others that they still don't want to sort of poke the sleeping line with the sharp stick about yet another responsibility, another agenda item on an already bulging agenda that most boards of directors have. And when we're talking about training the board of directors here, by the way, we're talking about training the full board, not just your audit committee, not just the compliance committee or whom, whichever subcommittee of the board has the, the, the oversight responsibility for the program on a more regular basis. We're talking about training the full board. All board members need to know about their responsibilities for compliance and ethics. It is not a matter only for the audit committee. I think this is seems like a no-brainer, but I've, I've run into more than one situation where the training that was being prepared around compliance responsibility was only going to be delivered to the board, to the audit committee of the board, not the full board. That's not what the expectation is. The expectation is, is that the full board will be trained. Another important source of authority for board members having involvement and understanding and being trained comes from the duty of care that comes from the ABA Model Business Corporation Act and is in the Corporation Act of the state of Delaware and and in many other states where organizations are incorporated. This notion that a director has a duty to the shareholders for any action or inaction that they take as a, a member of the board of directors and that inaction could be not knowing what your responsibilities are, not being trained. So it, it really comes to the core of the responsibilities of a director that they be trained, be knowledgeable about compliance and ethics and their specific responsibilities. You know, a concept like duty of care is complex, to say the least. But I think you can kind of, in, in, in the context we're talking about with regards to compliance, you can boil it down to, to a couple of very simple things. And the first is the one I've been talking about here for the last couple of minutes, which is being informed. Knowing what your responsibilities are, knowing what's going on with the organization, what what the state of the compliance program at the organization is now, what are the initiatives, what are the resources, what are the what are the risks and the issues that the organization faces. Being informed, I think, is a key, if not the key component, component rather. And and how do you get there as a director when you're looking at a compliance program? How do you how do you stay informed? Well, you stay informed by being engaged, being trained, receiving that information, 
asking questions. If you have a board of directors or an audit committee of the board that's overseeing the, the program and there are never any questions that are being asked, then there's not any, there's scant evidence of engagement when you look at the minutes of those meetings. You know, there's one line item saying, you know, compliance, compliance program report delivered. <laughs> That's hard to uh, flesh out in any way if there's ever any question about the engagement of that board, about their being informed, if there's just no record of it at all. So that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is as you're doing all of this, as you're endeavoring to educate the board of directors and providing them information, that all has to be documented as well. And lastly, I mentioned that you know there's the, there's a line of case law that goes way back. I mean, you can even really go all the way back to the Supreme Court case, United States versus Daughterwich, which is back during World War II, and then the Park Doctrine that's been developed since then. These are all things I talk about in more detail in the webinar I mentioned, but also things that you could investigate separately. But the bottom line is that the responsible corporate officer doctrine and and responsibility of the highest levels of the organization developed starting with these cases and has continued to develop to this day. The theory being that if you are in a position of responsibility and authority and you have you have the power to to either stop a violation or prevent a violation and you fail to use that power, use that authority to effectively do so, you have personal liability. You know, in the context of a board of directors, if they don't learn about their responsibilities as a board member, and if they don't learn about the program, if they're not engaged, if they're not asking questions, if they're not familiar with what's going on and what the initiatives are, and something happens, you could a case could be made in some circumstances that they had the power to prevent whatever happened, whatever misconduct or violation or issue that came up, loss that happened, and failed to do so because they did not have effective oversight of the compliance program under the sentencing guideline standards and the developed case law. It's important to note that that this line of case cases are about things that they do not know a thing about. Just the fact that they are a director and they have authority and and therefore responsibility, they don't need to know about the specifics of whatever misconduct, violation, or issue that comes up. They don't have to specific, specifically authorize somebody to do the bad thing. They don't have to know about it. It just has to happen on their watch. And that should be chilling for, for directors who don't have a lot of oversight of a program and don't really know what's going on with a compliance program. If it's not, I, I think they're, quite frankly, not just not really paying attention to what their responsibilities might be, both responsibilities as a director, but also potential liabilities as a director. I'm going to mention one other case because I don't want to mention a whole lot of cases on on this podcast. I'd like to keep it short and sweet for you guys. And if you want to delve, delve into this a little bit more, there are other resources to do that. But the other case that if you aren't already familiar with, you need to be familiar with is Caremark. And that is a Delaware State case. And what's important about Caremark and cases that came after it is that it established a very specific duty to oversee compliance efforts and that the board needed to have a good faith effort They needed to make a good faith effort to ensure the company has adequate systems in place. And they specifically called out a reporting system, but but they talked broadly about systems and the cases that have come since then have developed developed the idea into a broader notion of having responsibility for the entire program. And it, as the prior cases, the corporate, the cases I just talked about, it also suggested that there was personal liability for being ignorant of what was going on, whether you participated in it or not a board member could 
find themselves liable. And that talks specifically about compliance. So I think it's important when you're sort of educating the board about their responsibility and their role that you that you talk about this long line of cases and you talk about personal liability. I mean, I, I, I you know, you have to obviously be careful how you couch it. You don't want to come in and convince everybody that they're going to be personally liable for any kind of infraction that happens at the organization, because that's not necessarily the case. But what you need to do is make sure that they're grounded in the long history of, of case law that, that establishes this duty of care and this responsibility for compliance that all board members share. And again, all board members, not just the chair of the audit committee. Then the last piece, which is, uh, of course, something that you all know that I love dearly, and that's the sentencing guideline standards. The guidelines from their earliest inception have talked about the governing authority of organizations, the board of directors, and their roles and responsibilities. The key theme there being, not dissimilar to the cases we were just talking about, is that the organization's governing authority, the board of directors, be knowledgeable about the content and operation of the program and exercise reasonable oversight of that program. So know about it and take action. Again, going back to what I was talking about before, you know, having some knowledge, having a basis of knowledge and, and making some inquiry, I think is probably the key to all of this for a board member. Another key thing that the board should know about the sentencing guidelines and how they apply to the board's oversight of compliance is that the 2010 amendment that I'm very proud of being a part of emphasized that the person responsible for the day-to-day operation of the program have direct reporting responsibility to the governing authority to the board of directors of the organization on issues of potential criminal conduct, and at least on an annual basis with regard to the operation of the program. And in other words, I think it's important to note to them that the guidelines took, took the time and made the effort to call out this direct line, this direct access, this relationship that the operational compliance program in the organization should have with the board of directors. They should know that. They should know that that's an expectation and be aware of that necessity of that relationship. Like all members of the organization with authority and responsibility, the board is also expected to promote an ethical culture in the organization. That's specifically called out in the guidelines. And the reason we're talking right now, or I'm talking right now, and you're listening right now, is that the guidelines specifically call out the notion of training. That the organization has to take reasonable steps to periodically communicate, to regularly train, basically, all members of the organization, including the governing authority, including the board of directors. So when the guidelines talk about training and the responsibility, the shell responsibility that the organization has with regard to that disseminating information around these topics, it includes the board. It's right there in black and white. The board has to be trained. The last piece that I'll talk about on this section is something that's happened relatively recently. Earlier in the spring, in February of 2017, the fraud section of the Department of Justice came out with their now famous Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs Memoranda. If you're not familiar with that, it'll be in the show notes here. It's in the show notes of a couple of, of the other podcasts. It's something I've talked about pretty extensively. But I want to talk a little bit about what it has to say about the board and its responsibilities because it is the most recent sort of intoning from the the Department of Justice about what they expect, and it is a little bit more specific. 
And it looks first to the composition of the board directors and it asks some questions. And the questions are, what compliance expertise has been available on the board of directors? Has the board of directors or external auditors held executive or private sessions with the compliance and control functions? And what type of information has the board of directors examined in their exercise of oversight in the area where the misconduct occurred? So taking the last one first, that's what we've just been talking about, this notion of getting educated, of finding out information, of having a conduit by an regular process by which the board can get educated and ask questions. The second bullet is the same, or same, same idea, that they be involved, that they have asked, ha- had executive or private sessions, that they're engaged in asking questions. It's specific when it talks about having these executive sessions, but really what we're talking about there is some sort of way that you can memorialize the fact that the board is engaged. And the first one, I think, is particularly interesting. It talks about what kind of compliance expertise is on the board of directors. And I think on first blush, there might be this idea that, well, that means we need to go out and find somebody who's a compliance expert and put them on our board of directors. Is that what they're saying? I don't think so. Expertise is like anything else. It can be learned. So even more important that we train our board of directors is this expectation that they have some expertise. How are they going to get that expertise if they don't already have it before they join the board of directors? Well, they're only going to get it through training. So that is why it is abundantly important, given this most recent guidance from the Department of Justice, to train your board of directors. Because if they're not trained, how are they going to gain that expertise? So to kind of wrap up this first part, the important thing here is that the board understand where their responsibilities come from. There are different threads. There's case law threads. There's the model code, corporate code, and the individual state codes. And there's the sentencing guidelines. And they all point to some pretty specific and and bedrock pieces of the puzzle. One is that the board themselves needs to be trained, but that they need to be engaged, involved. They have to have an understanding. They have to be able to oversee the program effectively by gathering information and asking questions. That's all pretty abundantly clear. And then don't forget the piece of the puzzle that the new guidance in February 2017 added to the discussion, which is this notion that the board needs to have expertise, an expertise that probably can only be gained by many of your board members through training. Second topic I want to cover on this podcast is training your board on your compliance program. This may seem like a no-brainer, but I'm surprised frequently with the number of organizations when I look at the agenda for a audit committee meeting or the PowerPoint presentation that the compliance officer is putting together, how little information about what's actually going on with the program some organizations staff provide to the board on a regular basis. So this is some general topics that need to be discussed that your board needs to understand include the basics in the charter. If you have a charter for your compliance program or if there is a charter for the audit committee of the board of directors that delineates the responsibilities not only for the board but for staff of the organization, they need to understand what what the foundational documents of the program say and what the responsibilities are. They need to see an annual report. This is one of the few specific things mentioned in the sentencing guidelines as far as requirements go around the relationship between staff and the board of directors is this annual status of the program, this annual report. They need 
to be involved. If on an, at least on an annual basis, there isn't such an update, then that's clearly outside the expectations of the sentencing guidelines. You need to be familiar with the other initiatives that are ongoing. Are you updating your code of conduct? Do you have a new training program that's going on? Do you have a new system, a reporting system, or some other tool that you're implementing? They need to be familiar with those initiatives. If not the nitty-gritty, at least what the project is, what the timeline and the resources involved are, and what the expectations are. And they need to understand the data that your system, that your program creates. And that includes data from reporting and investigations, incident reporting trends, data from training and communication efforts, data from ongoing monitoring and monitoring tools, benchmarking and assessment, since we know also uh, from other discussions we've had that we need to be regularly assessing our program and benchmarking our program. The results of that, at least, if not an update on the process, need to be going to the board of directors. And then lastly, any kind of data on culture, whether that's survey information or other data about what's going on with the organization culturally. That's all data that they need to see. The data is important. Another aspect of the program that you might want to introduce the board of directors to is the training, the online training. This has gained some popularity over the last few years. I know there's still, again, some reticence to ask the members of the board of directors to take an online training. Well, uh, if you have the ability to allow them to just take part of it or review it otherwise, or The way you couch it is not that, hey, you board members, you need to take this online training. It's this is an integral part of our compliance program. We expect all of our employees and all related stakeholders that have responsibility to take it. We want you to evaluate it. Here's a login. Go evaluate it, and we'll talk about it later. It doesn't necessarily have to be an assignment for the board of directors, but you can introduce them to the online training, and I think that can be very valuable. And sometimes overlooked. And then just to reiterate all of this, educating them about their responsibilities, but also educating them about your program and what goes on with your specific compliance program helps them develop that expertise we were talking about that the department has mentioned in their most recent discussions. You know, it's not just expertise about compliance in general, but expertise about what resources and what program you have in place in your organization. So that's the first part. I have two other items that I want to talk about, but I'm going to wait until next week so that this podcast doesn't become too long. We do want to reiterate that uh, keep your eyes open for October 4th if you're interested in participating in our webinar. I have more information about that in future podcasts as we get closer to the date, but you can check out our website and we'll get a link up for that webinar as soon as we get it, get the process set up and you can look at the agenda. That's going to be on a new guidance and best practices and code of conduct. And then lastly, as always, feel free to get in touch. I sure want to hear from you if you've got any kind of commentary or any suggestions for future podcasts. And thanks again. The upshot this time is when effectively training your board of directors on ethics and compliance, you need to make sure that they understand what their duties and responsibilities are. There's a long and lengthy history with both the sentencing guidelines and other legal standards that they need to understand. And also, they need to understand your compliance program. Provide them the data and the opportunity to be engaged. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website 
ComplianceBeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at MoorheadConsulting.com.